0: And welcome to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. I'm Tim Fredericks, your co-host, along with my uh, co-host in studio here, Fran Gavin. Good evening, Fran. Good evening, Tim. And uh, this is our uh, final uh, show of the semester, and also our final show that is curated by our doctoral students. And uh, this evening, uh, we are fortunate to have Brian Gravett, the Leg Director at North Warren Regional. Uh, and a doctoral student at Centenary University in the studio, and uh, Brian is going to um, uh, take over. He has curated the show, and he will introduce our very special guest. So, Brian, it's all you.
1: Thank you, Dr. Fredericks. Thank you, Fran, for having me this evening. I'm Brian Gravatt, and tonight's topic is going to be different leadership styles collaborating to lead a district my panel tonight all comes from North Warren. We have our superintendent, Sarah Balotti, our principal, Janine Dutt, and our union president, Rob Steingel. give you a little bio on each of them. Sarah Bilotti is in her sixth year serving as the superintendent of schools at North Warren Regional School District and brings with her more than 15 years of administrative experience. Before stepping into her superintendency, She served as Director of Special Services for Wachung Hills Regional School District, and prior to that, served as the building principal in Greenwich School District, a large K-8 district. Sarah's areas of expertise include educational policy, equity, school funding, and special education, topics on which she frequently lectures at both state and national conferences. Sarah co-authored The Learning Without Limits, 2025 NJASA strategic plan and has held other leadership roles throughout the state. She herself was a board of education member for the Easton Area School District, which serves approximately 10,000 students, as well as director of the Northampton Area Career Institute of Technology Vocational Technical Schools Board. A lifelong and committed educator, Ms. Bilotti is an adjunct professor at Centenary University, and a frequent guest lecturer at Seton Hall University where she specializes in educational leadership and administrative theory. This semester, she is teaching a curriculum and assessment course and is looking forward to next semester when she is teaching a course on comparative systems where she will focus on equity and access. She holds degrees in special education, anthropology, and educational leadership, having attended Penn State University, Lehigh University, and Concordia University. She's currently finishing her doctoral degree in educational policy at Drexel University. These are in alphabetical order, just to not anyone feel bad. Our second guest is Janine Dutt. Dr. Dutt has served as principal of North Warren Regional School District in Blairstown since July of 2017. After graduating from Moravian College, Dr. Dutt began teaching Spanish at Phillipsburg High School and Phillipsburg Alternative Secondary School. After earning her MED in Educational Administration, At East Strasburg University, Dr. Dutt was promoted to Director of Curriculum and Instruction for multiple departments in the Phillipsburg Middle and High Schools. After spending three years in this role, she accepted the position of Principal at Lopakon Township Middle Schools. After six years in Lopakon School District, she accepted her current position in the North Warren Regional School District. Since earning her EDD at Centenary University in 2019, Dr. Dutt has taken on multiple leadership positions. She is a mentor to the NJL2L program, Leaders to Leaders, member of the NJPSA Council, and is the president of the Warren County Principals Association. She is also a certified trainer and coach for becoming your best global leadership. Rob Seingel is a 16-year special education teacher. He is a structured learning experience and transition coordinator for North Warren Regional School District. He has been the president of the North Warren Regional Educational Association for the past eight years. He has been a boys lacrosse coach for 17 years and a boys and girls soccer coach for 11 years. Thank you to the three of you for taking some time to join us tonight. And I really want to start with pointing out the biographies. I did not ask for any particular format. I just said share with me a bio. And I think the the way they're written and constructed really speaks volumes to the different leadership styles and personalities that you bring to bear in your positions. So I'd ask you all, how would you describe your leadership style?
2: I can start. Uh, I think that what makes us successful is that all three of us, while obviously very different, um, do have similar leadership styles in that we all put a high emphasis on collaboration and communication. And I think that's helped us be successful leaders together um, over the past six years. And I think that, you know, our willingness to try to put ourselves in the other's position, to listen, to ask questions, and to try to really understand where the other is coming from has uh, made our relationship successful. Um, if somebody else wants to, to pick up and, and talk a little bit about uh, their own leadership style, that would be, a, that would be good, too.
3: Yeah, I um, you know, as as the uh, shortest bio of the entire list here, and you know, Brian, if if I would have known that, um, you know, you were reading everything, I might have, ex- you know, tried to stretch it out a little bit just to try to get you through this first segment here a little easier. But, um, you know, I try to do things in person or you know via you know just talking with people, and you know, if I can if I can try and kind of limit. At least some things that I need to put down in writing, I do that normally. Um, and unless it's something that needs to really be kind of driven home, um, I, I prefer an in-person leadership style more than anything else.
4: And I will, uh, I will pick up here. I would have to agree 100% with what Sarah is saying, that we do have similar leadership styles in which we we do focus on collaboration. I think in the current environment that we're in and when all of us kind of came together at North Warren, that changed the the culture and the and the climate of the entire district, quite frankly. Um, I know that, you know, Sarah and I really work a lot from a visionary standpoint when it comes to our, our style, but I would also say that we have a collaborative coaching type partnership as well. And by partnership I mean with with Rob as a union representative and with our teachers who are part of committees and teams that work together. Um, there are very few things done in isolation. And I think that makes it exceptional that all of us that are on this call, number one, work together, but how we work with our staff as well. So I would say that that's a, that's a huge benefit that we truly believe in shared leadership. And
3: just kind of piggybacking on that, you know, the one thing that I can say about Sarah and Janine is that, you know, one of the most important things I think in leadership and being able to get through. Uh, making important decisions is being being able to sometimes agree to disagree. And, you know, there's sometimes decisions that need to get made that the teachers may not agree with or, you know, there's sometimes stands that the association needs to take. And, you know, we just have to sometimes do what we need to do and agree to disagree in order to move forward as a group. And, uh, you know, we all do that really well together, I think.
1: I just want to piggyback briefly on what Rob said, because it's so true. I think a lot of times behind closed doors, we disagree. But I always feel like everyone presents a great united front, which has been instrumental in the past few months. I'd also like to apologize for Rob if he thinks I uh, shortchanged him on the bio. Rob, I love your bio. It's who you are. You're direct and to the point. Second thing I wanted to look at is what inspired you all to seek out these leadership positions? And just for the sake of rotation, I would ask maybe Janine to speak first and then Rob and then Sarah.
4: Sure. I would love to. Um I would say that the biggest influence in my decision to go into leadership and even take, you know, master's classes in educational leadership and and administration was the leaders that I was working under. So I think when I was back in my teaching career and coaching and advising, doing a lot of things, I was at Felsberg High School and I joined just about every team, every committee you could be on. You know, I had really people that I highly respected pull me aside and say, you know, why aren't you pursuing this? And you're you're not enrolled in any coursework. And uh, I think, you know, that meant a lot to me. But I also know that I learned from them to pay attention to what the leaders were doing. And I guess I was watching them very closely. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm doing a lot in my current role. And I feel like I am being encouraged by, by people who I have a lot of respect for. And they're telling me that I would be you know, very successful in this endeavor. So, honestly, it came down to good people who taught me, who encouraged me to move on. And that's, and that's how I am where I am right now.
3: You know, Brian, you can probably remember my foray into leadership, and it was almost by accident. Um, you know, we were kind of going through some chaos as a staff um, with our association. And, you know, I think, lo and behold, I was like the process of elimination, the person who kind of stepped up and you know, got us moving in, the, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily the right direction, but a, a direction that wasn't, you know, going around in circles. And, you know, eight years later, um, I think we're moving in a better direction now as a staff, but, you know, that took that took a long time. And, you know, I think the one thing about leadership is when you do get involved with it, you need to build trust with, with those who you are leading. And, you know, that takes some time. And, you know, fortunately for me, I've been able to have... Um, you know, eight years kind of at the helm of doing what I do with our association. And, um, you know, fortunately, I built a lot of trust with with our, our our members. So that's been, you know, that's been a really good thing, at least in terms for our teachers. And, you know, Sarah and Janine came in after my uh, leadership began. And, you know, fortunately, they, they kind of hit the ground running and we all started working really well together and moving the district in the right direction uh, collaboratively. So that's been, uh, you know, kind of a blessing, at least for the teachers.
2: It's interesting because we have different styles and different ultimate pathways, but we all had similar experiences. Um, you know, I also was encouraged by those around me to explore leadership. And like Rob, I had a, a position of leadership within my association um, that kind of got me interested in in wanting to try to do more. and. and really looking at it almost as like a service, like Rob does, like looking, how can I help my staff? How can I serve my staff? How can I help my colleagues? Um, And that's what kind of got me interested to begin with. Um, I also was really interested in how could I better impact students. At the time, I was a special education teacher, and I had about eight kids on my roster. And I thought about how could I impact more students, and so I had originally gone back really specifically thinking that I would be a special education director um, and, you know, have the ability to talk about and impact, um, you know, best practices for students um, across a district was really appealing to me. And then that sort of morphed into uh, a leadership role uh, as, a, as an elementary school principal, um, which then, you know, allowed me to sort of impact best practice and curriculum district-wide. And then I think that my interests have just evolved from there. Um, I I think that curriculum is interesting and fascinating. I think talking about and thinking about how can we best serve students is, um, you know, just a uh just such a meaningful and and also just very interesting endeavor to me um so I think that that's kind of what has gotten me got you know kept me going um through the years with this. The other thing that I really like about and kind of uh got me into this is working with other people as colleagues. you know, I love working with Rob, I love working with Janine, I love working with Brian. We have these talented colleagues that come from different points of view and different experiences and different pathways. And I just always think it's really interesting for us to come together and collaborate on a problem, uh, look for ways that we can better serve our staff, better serve our students, better serve our community. I really like the, um, the working together and problem solving that comes with being a school district leader.
1: Thank you so much. Those were really well thought out answers, uh, really moving things along nicely. Uh, next round, Rob, Sarah, Janine, in that order, uh, what do you see as your greatest strength as a leader?
3: Um, I think my greatest strength is just, you know, having faith in my team and those around me. Um, you know, I, I know at the beginning of my you know time serving as our association president, I took a lot on myself. And, you know, I tried to you know, take care of things and not really lean on too many people. I tried to bear a lot of the burden myself and I've since, you know, done a better job of delegating and, and inspiring my team around me to try and pick up things and take the ball and run with it. And I think that's been the biggest success that I've had is just having some really, really good people around me and, you know, having them be motivated to want to pick up the workload and really follow through and, and give all of what they have to the group. And, you know, that's, I I think, an understated quality in many leaders. It's that they sometimes try to bear those burdens all themselves, and they don't always rely on their team around them. And I think some of your best teams are when everybody's involved and doing their part and working to their strengths.
4: I can jump in now. Uh, So I would say, if I look at what my personal strengths are as a leader, I would say it's that my leadership is truly based on relationships. and. I have a I have a high commitment to leading around a vision but to piggyback on that I think that the most important qualities that there that that there are in great leadership and the ones that I believe I embody are that of communication trust and respect because I can have a vision and I can have great communication but if I don't earn that trust and respect through transparency with my with my staff and with my constituents including my my parents and my students you know, that vision's really not going to be um, – it's not going to be uh, achieved. So I think that that's one of the things that is quite amazing where we're at right now and on this team, and we'll probably refer back to the team and how we work together so well. Um, and I know that we have limited time, but I know that everyone on this call uh, or on this webinar here would be able to say what my vision is and what my expectations are, and I think that that's one of my uh, – My greatest strengths, but it's all based in relationships. And one of the things that I absolutely love to do is to grow my staff and to grow my people. So I often encourage them to, you know, become better and to and to look further and to do more. And that's only going to make it better for your students. It's going to make it better for your staff when you're a leader. And uh, I would say that that's you know that's what I embody as a leader. But I do feel like it fits well into the continuum of what we're doing at North Warren. Sometimes, you
0: know, this is all, uh, uh, you know, I think that we all agree that, you know, building trust and and taking chances and um, uh, putting your faith into the the people you lead is is the way to go. But when you're working in a system that maybe doesn't support that, what are some of the challenges that that you face? Um, Because we have the reality, too, of, you know, wanting to be this type of leader, but working in an environment or in a system that kind of uh, uh, works against you sometimes? What are some of the challenges that uh, you've seen uh, come up? Personalities.
3: You know, you're, you're dealing constantly with different people who see the importance of certain things um, way greater than some of their colleagues may. And I think that's the hardest part about leadership in any capacity is that Um, You know, you have to be able to adapt to different types of people and personalities and and try and, you know, make the best situation for them.
5: Well, we're going to take this opportunity uh, to take a quick break for some public service messages. You're listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. And welcome back to Leadership Matters here on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. And we're having a very interesting conversation today led by our curator, Brian Gravatt, on uh, leadership styles with his very special guests, Sarah Bellotti, Janine Dutt, and Rob Steingall. So, Brian, uh, back to you. Thank you, Fran. So we had left the last segment talking about what you saw as your greatest
1: strength as a leader. So I guess it only seems fair to look at the other side. What do you see as your biggest area that you need to have some growth in, Sarah?
2: So, you know, it's it's funny that uh, you ask it that way, because I think that What we've seen with the last um, now going on 13, 14 months with COVID is it's really highlighted sort of, you know, any weaknesses or any gaps or any, um, you know, any faltering at all um, personally or with our team or with our community. Seems like uh, the COVID pandemic has really just um, highlighted any of those weaknesses. And I feel like we've been working and scrambling and, and really trying to put our best foot forward over the last couple of months to address that. And, you know, we, we're noticing gaps in communication, and we're trying to plug them. We're, we're noticing, um, you know, some gaps in maybe abilities, and we're trying to reshuffle responsibilities. Um, and I think it's just been really interesting to kind of see how this has highlighted um, and, and kind of magnified some of the areas of weakness that we had uh, within our leadership structure, or you know, just with within our own workings. And the other thing I think it's highlighted is the strengths that we have. Um, you know, we found out very quickly in March who had good tech skills, and we relied on them, and we asked them for help. And by we, I mean, you know, peer-to-peer, teacher-to-teacher, leader-to-leader, all of us asking for, for help. And it also has allowed us to expand that Um, outreach almost countywide. So, you know, I know what other superintendents are really good at writing letters. I know which superintendents are really good at problem-solving specific regulatory issues. Um, And likewise, uh, you know, and Janine can speak more to this, but, um, you know, I've had to communicate with our with our uh, county much more than ever before and Janine has had to communicate with the principals much more than before. So it's really opened up um, you know this other avenue also of support. So while it's sort of highlighted it Uh, some areas of weakness, I think it's also highlighted areas of strength and areas of support where we are now relying on and leaning on people that maybe we wouldn't have thought to ask for help before. Um, So I think that, you know, the last couple of months have certainly given us a new perspective on what strength and weakness means. And I don't know, Janine, if you want to jump in a little bit about, um, you know, what that's meant to you um, in your position as a principal.
4: Yeah, I would love to. That was a phenomenal answer. And, uh, you know, we work so closely and being, you know, with the current, you know, challenges that we're under, it's been unlike anything that I've experienced in you know a, a decent career as a as a school administrator right now so you know one of the things that was was a challenge for me personally that i didn't experience before was what i would call the external negative publicity with maybe some misinformation or our constituents not our not our staff by the way our staff has been phenomenal but kind of like not understanding current information and uh or maybe just not not listening to it so The the constant, like, endless battles that I feel like we're fighting on the forefront because we're still trying to do what's safe and what's best for kids. Um, So you kind of look at that as a negative, but yet there are so many things that have come out of it that have been positive, like Sarah said. Like, her level of communication with the county has increased. My level of communication with principals across the, you know, three or four counties has increased and has has given that opportunity to— you know, see what other people are doing and how they're doing it and how they're interpreting it, um, but but really, in the end, you know, how are we handling it and how am I handling it? I'm saying that you know, professionally, emotionally, personally, I've I've had to step outside my comfort zone as a leader, um, because leaders are generally people who like to have all the answers, and and like to be able to say everything's going to be okay. And you know, we we don't have all the answers in the COVID world right now. We are we are all working together to try to make what's best. But I but I have learned, which is, you know, outside of my style maybe is you know, it's okay to not be okay sometimes. It's okay to ask for help and it's not weakness, and it's totally okay to Understand that, you know, you personally as a leader, whether you're the the superintendent, the the principal, a supervisor, athletic director, a teacher, you know, there are some things that you maybe can't fix or you can't fix it alone. And it's okay to ask for help. And that that's a very different uh, type of feeling that that I've learned through this. So the negative of what we're going through has has really made me grow as as a professional and has opened up some. you know, other collaboration and other, uh, you know, other avenues for me.
5: I'd like to jump in for a second here. So I think you, uh, Janine, you mentioned mm-hmm. something that's really, really, really important. And and that's the concept that uh, leaders, although they're the ones that everybody looks to, can't necessarily have all the answers. And it's it's how you deal with that uncertainty that I think, ultimately instills credit or confidence in those uh, whom you're leading. So if, if, if you run around, you know, freaking out with uh, like a chicken, <laughs> you know, just your, your, your hair's on fire, uh, you lose the confidence of everybody who's relying on you. But if, if you openly come out and say, you know, I really don't know the answer yet, but I'll figure it out and I'll get it. And then in a reasonable time with effective communication – you show that you did that, uh, that takes you from being the leader that, you know, by title to being the leader by fact and by action. And I think, I mean, that's a great insight, I thought. Rob, going to come to you uh, with the challenges with COVID. And what
1: have you seen as the biggest challenge you faced during this current educational landscape, and how have you handled it?
3: Well, I I think the toughest part for me has been the lack of the in-person interaction. Um, there's just something about being able to have a conversation with somebody in person and be able to read their body language and, you know, kind of hear their tone of voice and just kind of feel them out as to where, you know, you should take a conversation. And that gets really lost in um, Zoom or via phone or via text. Um, that To me, that's been the biggest challenge and the thing that I've struggled with the most, because if there's one thing I, I love to do, it's to be able to have conversations in person. And, and sometimes, you know. Janine and Sarah hate when I, you know, march down to their office with some kind of crazy staff problem, but it's usually the most effective way to get anything done, and that's just to have an in-person conversation about something because then you can really solve a problem or get an answer from somebody or for somebody, which kind of alludes to what we previously talked about, which is, you know, sometimes you try to find answers for people that you might not always have. And, you know, I just sometimes find, at least in the current landscape, that it's difficult to get some of those answers like I normally would because of, you know, the times we're in.
1: Sarah and Janine, same kind of uh, view. What do you think has been the biggest challenge for the the district right now since last, I guess, not quite March 13 because we started planning a little earlier, but in that 13 or 14 months, what's been the biggest challenge we faced and how have you been able to handle it?
4: Well, I can, I can start off and I'm sure Sarah will have, you know, a comment or two to it everything about this has been a challenge. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, you know, we were we were moved from what, what we all thought in our current environment at North Warren, things were going really well to have to, uh, you know, to shift to a whole new world, essentially. And, you know, some of the biggest challenges for me, I think I mentioned a little bit earlier in this in this recording that really dealing with Negative publicity for me has been difficult when the information wasn't quite there. And, you know, trying to figure out the best way to communicate the district decisions has been very difficult because so much of it is convoluted based on the guidelines and what we're doing. That has been, you know, extremely difficult and a challenge. And I, I would have to piggyback on Rob's comment too about, you know, him marching down to our office. Um, things take a lot longer. You know, things like the uh, mini fires that we call them that start up in a normal environment can be handled very quickly and swiftly when you're in a normal environment and you're on site and you can go talk to someone, you know, being virtual or mostly virtual or having minimum time that you can be with another adult, you know, in a room or, in, in you know, in a vicinity in a school makes it really difficult. So things that generally take a little bit of time end up taking a long time and one of the things that is difficult about that is it sometimes can take you away from the things that matter most, you know? So just kind of getting through the day-to-day has been a huge challenge. And I know we could get into, um, you know, curriculum and, and wondering whether or not our students have had, you know, loss of progress and things like that. But the day-to-day it's 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 just been a challenge working in the environment where we are people that are so used to face to face communication and we solve problems so well that I do feel like that's been a stress for everyone to try to come together virtually to solve problems that would would take minutes if we were all together on site so that has been a huge a huge challenge for us.
2: I agree with everything that Shanine and Rava said um Also, I think that this is the most traumatic thing that our students have ever experienced, and it's also the most traumatic thing that our staff has ever experienced. And so, you know, looking at this globally. And so, I think it's been a challenge to, um, you know, affirm to our staff that, yes, this is really hard for all of us personally and all of us professionally. We basically asked our staff to change their jobs on a dime. um, And to, to ask, we also asked them to not only change what they were doing, but to continue to do it exceptionally. And, um, you know, our staff totally rose to that challenge and you know, we've been using data to show that that's the case. Um, you know, our students are performing on benchmarks at a, at a level that we would expect. Um, and, it, you know, to affirm that back to our staff and reassure them, while also making sure that our students' mental health needs and social emotional needs are being met has been challenging because we're, you know, we're looking at this as we're employers and we also are school leaders, um, and we also have a team of administrators that we have to make sure are okay. Um, so I think that you know, kind of dealing with the, the aftermath of the trauma of this is going to take a while to, to get back to normal, um, and I think that we have to continue to recognize that this is traumatic, um, and it's been really hard for, for our staff and for our students um, to adjust to all of the changes that have been coming.
1: So we have gone through a couple of different models of how we're delivering instruction since last March. And I'm wondering, Janine, how have you been able to support the staff through these various models that people have been, in some cases, resistant to, and in some cases, just had a hard time pulling off because of lack of technical skills?
4: So I think one of the greatest highlights of North Warren right now is years ago, we instituted the teacher panel called the Academic Council. And there are offshoots of that academic council that also included uh, technology, instructional cohorts, and, you know, just general procedure and protocol people that were working. So as we've had to pivot from, you know, one venue to the next, we have had this group of teachers working with us to help us develop our protocols. And there are representatives from every department, and as, as if, if, The listeners don't know, we have a a middle school, seventh and eighth grade, as well as a high school. So we have representatives from both schools, so to say, working with us. And I think that has been instrumental in the change and moving through the different, I guess, challenges that we've had since last March. Um, You know, one of the other things is, uh, you know, our relationship that we have as an administration with our union, we work with our teacher Councils, but we also work very closely with our union leadership. And I think that has made the transition very palpable. We have had such support from our teachers. We know that it's hard. Like like Sarah has said, we know that we need to support them. But one of the things that we've also done here is years before COVID, we started doing really individualized uh, professional development. And my big push for that was the use of instructional technology in the classroom. And, you know, we didn't know we were going to hit a global pandemic, but those teachers then became instrumental in helping their staff, their colleagues, uh, you know, really go from Friday working in a classroom to Monday full virtual. So, I mean, I, I just think that's an incredible feat that the North Warren staff has accomplished. And without that, I'm not sure how successful we would be, but truly, again, it's about having the support of our staff having people that are willing to you know try new things and not have the fear of failure in trying those new things and the level of support I think that we have you know provided them not only tangible support like professional development but such as hey it's okay to take risks you know nobody's you know going to be you know assessing you on whether or not your your new app worked with your virtual world i mean we have to be extremely realistic and, and, and sensitive and empathetic to what our teachers are going through. And I think that, you know, I think we've done a good job as leaders in that. And I, I hope I hope that answered what um, you were looking for, Brian. Absolutely
1: did. And I just wanted to build on it a little bit with Rob that you spoke about how supportive the staff has been. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that, I suspect, goes to Mr. Stangle's ability to really explain to the staff that a lot of the stuff we're doing You might not be thrilled to do. And ultimately, no one's really looking over your shoulder. They're asking you to do your best in difficult times. Rob, how have you been able to really move the staff through this difficult time period?
3: Well, I mean, you know, and Brian, you said this at the top. You know, I don't really sugarcoat things. I'd like to think that, you know, everybody kind of dove headfirst into it. But at the same time, there's been some kicking and screaming that's kind of happened just because we've had to just do it. Um, this has been really, really challenging on our staff and, you know, everybody's doing their best. And, you know, I think the one thing that, um, really has, you know, led us to success is that, that fear of failure, um, on on the part of all the staff, everybody wants to do a really, really good job and they want to help the kids and, you know, they're willing to kind of go to the ends of the earth for our students. And that has put a tremendous amount of stress and pressure on all of our teaching staff And, you know, I think they know that there's things they probably shouldn't be doing and they probably shouldn't be neglecting. And, you know, I kind of speak towards, you know, their own personal well-being, their own mental health, their own families. But, you know, know, I can't even begin to tell you how many teachers I speak to on a regular basis that tell me that, you know, you know, I need to spend a few extra minutes here with this student or this parent can only speak during, you know, five or six o'clock at night. And they're giving this time up that, you know, traditionally, they wouldn't be giving up just because they have their own families, their own things going on. So, um, you know, I, I think there's been reluctance. But again, teachers don't want to fail ever. So that's kind of what um, I think has really moved us in the right direction, is that everybody was just willing to kind of dig their heels in and, you know, be supportive for the team and do what's right for the kids. Thanks you, Rob. I
1: thought that really captured what I was trying to get at with these are unprecedented times. And it's been a lot of collaboration and cooperation between the district and the union and people working together in difficult situations and really supporting each other to the best of their ability.
0: So this is probably a good time for us to take a short break. You've been listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary
5: University. We will be right back. Welcome back to Leadership Matters We're here on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. And uh, we're going to get right back to a discussion about leadership styles. Brian, it's up to you. Thanks again for bringing us in from the break, Fran.
1: So we had left off talking about the challenges with COVID. And ultimately, education is a, a people business. We're dealing with students and staff. And I'm wondering, really, for any of our panel, what have you done to let your staff, you know, you're there to support them through these difficult times.
4: So, I can I can start start us off on that. I mean, I think what we've done is we've come together as our leadership team when we run our, you know, I can speak from our staff meeting perspective and our and our board meeting perspective. Um Sarah could speak too, and I know that Kevin would have been um Instrumental in this to talk about how the supervisors are supporting their staff during their their weekly PLCs and so forth. But you know, I think what you know what I do, and I and and I do get some positive response from it. Is yes, everybody wants to know that they're being supported by you know the principal, the superintendent. I think they 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 need to know that we do trust them and we do believe in them and you know we do empathize with them that you know we know that what they're doing is a very difficult scenario but you know the other thing that i found is that having personal conversations with staff members especially staff members that may be struggling a little bit a little bit more than others has been you know a real positive to this and you know has allowed me at least personally to get to know people in in a way that i might not have you know w- without the current situation but you know, really easy things to let them know that they're supported are, you know, maybe that weekly newsletter that gets sent out and doing staff highlights. But really, you know, going to see them, saying hello in the morning and letting them know they're doing a good job. I've I've written personal cards to, to, to teachers and staff, you know, just if I've heard something has gone on in their world or if they've done something incredible in their classroom. And, you know, that seems to go a long way because I think... The staff knows we're limited also in how we can recognize them. So having a little personal touch to letting them know that we're behind them and letting them know that they're doing a good job, I think that's made a big difference, and I think that's that's, uh, built some relationships.
1: That was great. Uh, Rob, what about from the union perspective? As you talked about, you've been able to move everybody in the right direction, but I'm sure behind closed doors, you've been having to have some difficult conversations with people through this. How have you been able to support them through this?
3: I take a lot of phone calls. I take a lot of phone calls. I answer a lot of text messages. Um, I suggest um, different ways to ease the stress um, on our staff. I'm not going to really get into those reasons. I'm sure we're all adults here. We can figure that out. But no, there's just a lot of just talking with people. Um, I think people just want to be heard during this time more than anything else. Um, And just know know, that they're being listened to. I think Janine kind of, Captured it best there. People sometimes just want to be heard. They want to know that their problems are being listened to, addressed, and if they're not, you know, going to be addressed to a certain level of satisfaction to those, uh, to what they they need, they at least want to know what's being done or, uh, to kind of move everybody forward. So, like I said, I, I I've been just dealing with a ton of just personal contact, probably more so than I've ever had. Um, you know, just be via phone and just trying to be available to people.
4: I, I think to speak to what to Rob just said also is, you know, he as well as other union leaders are really fielding a lot of phone calls. And this goes back to, to last March when we were planning our first return, you know, and then planning in the summer. But I think a lot of that also goes back to the, the I'm going to say it, the, you know, the respect and the rapport that we have with our senior leadership on staff. That you know, Rob or another one of his his colleagues that are in the leadership role may be getting a lot of questions on, let's just say, a certain protocol, and why does it have to be this? You know, we'll get a text or we'll get a phone call, like, "Hey, can we talk about this?" Because you know, it, I feel like it's not a bad question, and that really helps because there have been things that have come forward that I might not have thought of. That's a huge stressor to the teachers that are with the students, and we'll say, "Hey." You know, you're right. Let's let's think about this. But that's when we go back to that teacher panel and say we want we really want to look at these procedures and protocols. What do you think about this? And I think that we have that established relationship, and I, that's where the shared leadership comes in. We're not just saying, you know, hey, Rob, go back to your teachers and say this is just the what what, what the guidelines say and this is how we're doing it because that's going to absolutely destroy any culture and climate that we have in a time where everyone is stressed inside and outside of the job. So I think that's really important that, that we have that opportunity to, to speak as union leaders and with Sarah as a district leader and myself as, as, a, as a building leader. And really, it's about, you know, you know, once in a while offering up, uh, you know, not offering up, but saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take this as a leader. I'm going to be humble about it. And, you know, we all have our vulnerabilities. And it's not a dig or a negative comment towards us personally, but really it's about moving forward and doing what's right and what's safe for the kids. And I I think that's something really special that we have at North One.
1: I would agree. I think we all work really, really well together, which is one of the reasons I really like working where I do. COVID has certainly changed the way we do business. And Sarah spoke to this a little in the first segment that some of what's come out of COVID that might not be a bad thing is it's shown us some of our weaknesses and how we can better collaborate with other local districts, perhaps with other principals. And what I'm wondering is, some point this will end, I promise. How will your leadership style change, maybe, to embrace some of the changes you've adopted during
0: COVID?
4: You know, I could I could start off with that with this one too. This is uh, Janine again. I can actually say without reservation that my leadership style has not changed. It hasn't changed going into COVID. It hasn't changed during COVID. My leadership style and I guess, you know, how I do business and what I do with our staff and our students and our parents hasn't changed. But what may have changed and, and will change is maybe how I approach things on a more personal level for my own you know self growth and like I said before I mentioned you know being humble being vulnerable those are things that have really come out during this pandemic because as I said in an earlier segment you know I don't have all the answers and we don't have all the answers and that's a really hard thing to work through and deal with where you are the person that's expected to do that so I feel like the style in which I lead will remain but you know my reflection may change, you know, and and maybe my approach to certain things in leadership may change. Um, One of the things that, you know, it, it may sound funny, and I'd like to highlight this on how our team works, you know, is, you know, Sarah and I often joke that one of us, not both of us can have what we call a meltdown on the same day. And, you know, we joke about it, and we joke about it with our leadership, we joke about it with our staff, but You know, it's totally true, and those are conversations we would never have had, uh, her and I, and it's uh, probably conversations we wouldn't have had so openly like we do now with our staff, but I think it has, you know, made us stronger leaders. It's made uh, the people around us stronger because it's totally true. You know, there are days that you need a little bit more support than others, and nothing about administration ever is easy And COVID has just complicated that further, um, where I think uh, it's really important for leaders to reflect on, you know, maybe their strengths and weaknesses, but your style, you know, there's nothing, what we're doing in COVID right now is the same thing that we were doing pre-COVID as far as being collaborative and shared leadership. So that's how I feel about that.
1: Rob, you, uh, with Dr. Dutt, that you don't think things have changed at all, or has it maybe altered you a little bit?
3: Well, how can't this have changed you? You know, this is just one of those things that, you know, are, you know, we'll never ever see ever again in our lifetimes. At least we hope, and I think it changes your perspective on a lot of things, Um, at least from a leadership standpoint. um, uh, What I can say is that I appreciate the time that I have with our with our staff and our colleagues in person more. Um, It's it's, you know, I think I think when everybody came back into the building after the second shutdown, which I think we were closed for another couple of months, um, it was just so nice to see people back. Um, With our program, uh, and I teach an autism support program at North Warren, now we were on site four days a week all through the shutdown, the second shutdown. So we were there kind of by ourselves. So it was amazing to see people, you know, after a few months of just total isolation. And it was just really, really nice to have those interactions again and see a face and not have a phone conversation. Um, so I think, I think those are some things that, um, you know, I've really kind of enjoyed and I've kind of cherished more so that, um, you know, having lived through everything over the course of the last 13 months or so.
1: Great answer, Rob. Really heartfelt. Great to hear it. Uh, I'm hoping we have a couple of future leaders maybe out there listening to us. And I'm wondering if our panel could maybe share some advice you would give to an aspiring educational leader. Rob, you mind going first?
3: Um, you know, I would I would say don't be afraid of it. Um, if it's something that you're passionate about, um, you know, try to find yourself involved with it um, And at a lower level. I know I started in my uh, leadership role as a uh, grievance chair in a, what was a very difficult situation. And I found myself really kind of um, it was like trial by fire. And I was finding crazy things to grieve based on very, very vague and ambiguous wording and contracts. And it was really kind of an interesting thing. But I would say start small and then try to build your way up to uh, greater things if you're ready for it.
1: Janine or Sarah, you have anything else you want to add for our aspiring leaders out there in
4: Radioland? Absolutely. I would, now that I've uh, been in a leadership role, and if I could go back in time, you know, to when I was an aspiring leader and even before that, my advice would be, you know, really pay attention to the current leaders that you're working with or, you know, leaders that you know in other school districts or even leaders in other avenues. It doesn't need to be just education now. And try to figure out why they make the decisions that they do, you know, and and how they go about it. Because, you know, sometimes you don't quite understand it until you're in it. It, That's just the reality of it. But it's okay to ask questions, you know. So kind of like what Rob said, you know, find a niche, find some leadership roles within your school that you can participate in, even if it is, you know, being on teams or, or, or being on committees. Um, and ask questions and, and really dig into, you know, why things are done the way they're they're done and why people make the decisions that they make. But mo- most importantly, if you're aspiring, you know, I often talk about, you know, having a personal vision as a leader, you know, start developing that now. You can develop that now. Like, what kind of leader do I want to be? What kind of leader do I not want to be? We've all had good leaders. We've all had maybe not so good leaders. And you can start honing in those skills right now as you practice in your classroom as a teacher as a counselor, whatever role it is um, and you can grow into that vision, and I think that would you know make a huge difference when you're in an interview process and when you you find that leadership
2: role I agree with uh, with all of that advice, I think it's important to think about when Um, you're thinking about your own school system and you see something that you like or something that you don't like, I think as an aspiring leader, it's important to ask yourself, why did I like that? Or why did I not like that? And try to identify the elements that are making um, your leaders successful and ask questions. Uh, Be open to listen. Um, And I think also be open to think about, you know, there's a lot of people that have been doing this a long time and they are going to be willing to help you. Um, Ask for help. Ask how someone did something. Ask to just sit and talk with, with one of your administrators. Um, I think you can learn so much just by asking questions and listening and and trying to identify within yourself um, why you like or don't like certain things, sort of what Dr. Dett was saying about a vision. You know, try to kind of um, shape that personal vision of leadership. What's important to you? What's your passion? Uh, what, you know, what really... Um, makes you want to do this? What are What are you passionate about? What do you like to do? Um, and don't forget that you're experts. Um, you know, our teachers are experts in their classrooms, and you can take that expertise and transfer it into a leadership position. Um, so, you know, don't under- underestimate the expertise that you already hold.
1: So before That's we up. got started, I was talking with Fran a little bit, and he was talking with me about how quick we are to criticize each other and how slow we are to throw each other compliments. So I'm wondering for the three of you, when was the last time someone really stopped and said thanks or gave you a nice compliment on what you're doing?
4: Wow, I would love to take the lead on this one because I also feel like um it doesn't happen often and that was what I was going to add to aspiring leaders is know that if you're if you're really looking into this, it it's a tough job, you know, no matter what role it is, it's a really really tough job with a high level of responsibility and you're working with kids' futures in your hands, you know? So nothing about what, what we do is, is easy, but it is very fulfilling. But when it comes to the complementing, you know, part of it, that is also something that I find on our leadership team, we try to do this very, very often. Sarah is amazing at this. Like, when I, when I mentioned before, like, you know, having a meltdown here and there, it will be, Janine, here are the amazing things that you've done, though and and this is how we're going to do this and we're in this together so there's constant support there with that positive or hey good job on this um me as a leader try to do the same thing uh to to let people know that they're doing a good job even if it seems simple it really really means a lot even a simple email to a teacher like hey i saw how you spoke to you know so and so in the hallway today um that is one thing though i think If we could focus on every one of us on this call and every listener to to, to once a day find something positive to say to a colleague, it can change their world, and it can change their trajectory. So that was a really great question, Brian.
1: Okay. So I don't know that we're going to have time to get around to everyone, and I thought it would be really poor on my end to not build on that question. So I wanted to share a couple things with the three of you about what I really appreciate what you bring to our district. Sarah, I really love your attentiveness. Anytime I bring you any issue or question, I feel like I'm the only concern you have that day. And I know that probably is never actually the case that that day exists. You make time to sit with me to help me evaluate all aspects of the issue at hand. And it really just makes me feel so comfortable anytime I need to go to you for help. Janine. you. I don't know that I'm here without you. Uh, You have really inspired me to want to make myself better as a student and as a person. Now, for some people listening or members of the panel, they might wish you didn't inspire me and then they wouldn't have to listen to this or be involved. But I really want to thank you that you've inspired me to want to be a better leader and a better person. Rob, your honesty is always so valued. I love that anytime I go to talk to you, I know I'm going to get a straight answer, that sometimes you might tell me that, Remember that dumb idea you had last week? This one's even dumber. So you might want to not do that. And I know I can always count on you for that. I think our district would not be anywhere near as successful as it is without the three of you in the positions you are. I thank you so much for taking the time to be with us tonight. And I'll turn it over to Dr. Fredericks.
0: Thank you very much, Brian. And and, uh, thank you to your excellent guests, uh, Sarah, uh, Janine, and Rob. For uh, taking some time out and joining us tonight on Leadership Matters, uh, uh, excellent show. Uh, You've been listening to Leadership Matters on wnti.org, the voice of Centenary University. On behalf of Fran Gavin, my co-host, and myself, Tim Fredericks. Good evening.